Are you saved? How do you know? Is your salvation based on your faith? Or is it based on something else? A few years ago, during VBS, a boy came into my office. And his mom told me that he was going to be coming in. And, and this boy was small. I mean, he was sitting in, my, in the chair, and his feet couldn't touch the ground. So he's a small kid. And yet he had a profound question. He said to me, Pastor, I don't know if I have enough faith. I said, okay, well, tell me more. And again, he's so little, but he had this grown-up faith in his head. I mean, I, I just don't know if I have enough faith. And I said, well, again, tell me more. And he said, well, I want to go to heaven, and you need to have faith to go to heaven, and I just don't know if I have enough faith. And so I don't know if I'm going to heaven. I sat there for a moment, and I went, oh, how am I going to answer this? I mean, he's six or seven. And though, you know, when the kids, six, seven-year-olds ask questions, they're hard, even for me. I think they're the hardest questions to answer. So I thought about a moment. I said, Lord, help me, help me, help me. And it dawned on me. I said to him, I said, is God, does God always tell the truth? And he said, yes. Then I said, are you baptized? And he said, I am. I go, well, let's see what God has to say about this. And we opened up to Romans 6, and I read the words from Romans 6. Do you not know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. And I explained to him, I said, what that really means is in baptism you are united to Jesus so that wherever he goes, you go. And at that moment, the light bulb went off in his head and he went, well, Jesus is in heaven. I said, yes. He goes, that means I'm going to heaven. I'm really going. And I said, absolutely. I love that. Had I talked to him about faith, he wouldn't have been able to figure out, do we have enough faith? Do I not? What does that mean? But when we actually just share the promises of God to him, his heart was believing and trusting all of them. And he held on to that as a six-year-old could. Flesh and blood did not reveal that to him. The Holy Spirit did. In our reading from Luke chapter 3, we come ac across the baptism of Jesus. And we see the crowd flocking to get baptized by John. Now, there's something about the crowd that we, we read about in Luke 3, and the crowd is filled with real sinners. I mean, not the kind who go, yeah, I'm a sinner. No, no. These are the, the real sinners. These are, they're described as the crowd, which will be, you know, the crowd, tax collectors, and soldiers, right? So these are the real sinners. And so these real sinners were listening to John preach. And as they were listening to John preach, they decided, we need real forgiveness. And so John said, get baptized. Now, have you ever wondered why, why that? Why water? Why be baptized? Surely it's because water is a sign of cleansing, right? If you're filled with sin, you want to be washed of your sin. But there's so much more going on there than just that. What river are they getting baptized in? 
Jordan River. God's done something in the Jordan River before. He separated so that people could go into the promised land. Even more, God has done a lot of things with water. Water seems to be the place all throughout the Old Testament where God's judgment and deliverance occurs. It was through the water of the Red Sea where God brought deliverance or brought judgment upon Egypt, but deliverance upon Israel. Or way back to Noah and the ark. There, the, the waters of the flood. God brought judgment upon humanity, but deliverance for Noah and his family. And so by entering into the water, these sinners, these real sinners, are hoping basically for absolution. They're hoping that as they go down, they might be declared a sinner, but as they come up, they might be declared forgiven. They might have a new start, a new day, a new chance. And so they were going into the water for God to do something to them, to forgive them, to absolve them, and so they get a new start. That's what they were looking for. Now, this, of course, is why the Pharisees would never get baptized. In fact, in Luke 7, it says, but the Pharisees and scribes rejected God's purposes for themselves, not having been baptized by John. For the Pharisees, they're not going to jump in that water. Why? Because that's contaminated water. That's dirty water. That's sinful water. That's where sinners go. And you know the Pharisees. They're righteous, at least so they think. They're holy. They're religious. So they'd never jump into that water. Boy, times have not changed. It seems that the religious people often keep their distance from real sinners. One of my great struggles, and I've shared it with a few of you, one of my great struggles is being a pastor. And what I mean by that is this. I love everything a pastor does. I love preaching, I love teaching confirmation, I love visitation, I love weddings, I love funerals. I don't love council meetings, but I don't know if that's what a pastor's supposed to do. I'm just this, I'm trying to find a way out of those. <laughs> I know, good luck. Except he, Pastor Ken Caudell, when I talked to him when he retired, he goes, I said, what is it that you're going to miss the most? He said, preaching. What are you going to miss the least? He said, council meetings. <laughs> I love doing what pastors do. But it's amazing the moment you tell someone that you're a pastor and what happens. They're afraid. If you're on a golf course, they don't want to invite you to golf with them. Too many words fly out of their mouth, and they're like, oh, not, we don't want to touch you. We don't want you to be contaminated, Pastor. I want to say, my dad's a contractor. I learned all the words. <laughs> but there's this, this perception that, that pastors are separate, that they're, they're different, that, they're, that they, they don't interact with sinners. And so sinners, real sinners, don't know what to do with the pastor. I remember talking to my pastor right when I began ministry here, and I called him up on the phone. I said, Phil, I said, there's just this perception. I, people are afraid that I'm a pastor. How do I handle this? You know, am I set apart or not? And, and he said this. He said, he said, Russ, remember this. On Sunday morning when you enter the pulpit, you are set apart to proclaim the gospel. That's what you do. That's what you're called to do. So do it. 
He said, after the service, you descend from the pulpit and you live with the people. And you live with the people and you are their brother in faith. And you, you live with them, you talk with them, you be with them. He said, that's the difference. You proclaim with the authority of God in the pulpit, but the rest of the week, you're down with the people as their brother, as their friend, as a Christian, praying with them and crying with them and striving with them. He said, don't forget that. And I haven't. But the Pharisees seem to have forgotten that, whether if they ever knew it. They would never jump into the water. That's the place for sinners. That's the place for the dirty ones. That's the place for the lowly. They need to get right with God, the Pharisees would say. But not the Pharisees. And yet something troubling happens in this passage. Because in verse 21 it says, when all the people were being baptized, then it says something that really jumps out at us. Jesus was baptized too. Now, that doesn't seem to add up, does it? Jesus is sinless. Jesus is righteous. The waters of baptism is for those sinners. Why in the world would Jesus jump into that water? Why would Jesus get baptized? What is Jesus looking for when he got baptized? Well, there's a few things that he was looking for. In Matthew, it says that Jesus was baptized to fulfill all righteousness. What does that mean? It means Jesus was born to fulfill all righteousness, to do what we couldn't do, to live a perfect life. And so for Jesus to be baptized, to be born, and then to be baptized, or first circumcised, and then to be raised in the law, and to live his life, and to be baptized was to, to do what we couldn't do. And so by being in the water, Jesus is showing himself, even in the waters of baptism, to be a substitute to be the one who's going to do what we couldn't do. He's the one who's going to fulfill all righteousness. He's going to watch over the lowly. He's going to be the, the righteous one. He's going to be the propitiation for their sins. So he's the one who's going to be baptized there and then baptized on the cross in his death and his suffering so that we who are not righteous could be righteous. So that, that is something Jesus is doing. That's what he's looking for. In the water, he's actually going to stand in our place. He's going to take all that sin upon himself, all that yucky, mucky sin upon himself so that we could be righteous. So he was doing that. And yet he was doing more than just that as he in, jumped into that water. He was looking for something. Jesus was jumping into that water to look for your sin. And guess what he was going to do with your sin? Bury it. Bury it deep. Dig a hole and throw it to the bottom of that river and cover it up so that we would be completely cleansed before God. He was looking for it. And this is important because think of how dirty that water was. Again, who were the people getting baptized on that day? You got soldiers. What do soldiers do? They kill. They rape. They destroy. What do tax collectors do? They're thefts. They're thieves. Not thefts. They commit. They're thieves. And then what does the crowd do? What does the crowd do? Ready? 
The crowd does what you do. All those sins. All in the water. When Jesus jumped into the water, what was he doing with all that sin? He was grabbing a shovel, he was digging a hole, and he was shoving it down to the bottom of that river and covering it so that it would be gone, so that it would be forgotten, so that we could stand before God completely holy. It's my prayer that you guys would know that. Because I think for all of us, we go, yeah, that's fine and dandy, but, but I have some sin in my life that's just... I don't know if I'm a real Christian because I have the sin in my life. Right? These doubts in me and, and these questions and these, these things I do, I just, I'm not proud of. And I don't know if, if I'm really saved because I have these things. And yet, you think God sits up in heaven and sees your sin and goes, whoa. You know, Jesus died for all the sins of the world, but I didn't know you were going to do that. I mean, that, that's a little... That's a little too much. Whoa, you, I mean, that Reformation Lutheran Church? I think I'd die for all the churches and all the Christians, but not the people in this, this place. They are a little too loose with their sins? No! When Jesus jumped in the water, he took all of them, he dug the hole, he shoved it down, he covered it so that we could stand before God completely forgiven. Forgiven for what we've done. Forgiven for what we will do. Forgiven. He was looking for your sin in the water. He found it. He got rid of it. That's what he was doing. And yet there's even more than that because Jesus was looking for someone else in that water. Something else. Someone else. In that dirty water, Jesus was looking for you. He was looking to save you. When I was a child, we were at Mammoth. And I was at... We were at a hotel or somewhere, and I was sitting at the side of the pool. And I remember sitting at the side of the pool, and then I remember being at the bottom of the pool. And I was real little. I didn't know how to swim. And then I remember my dad jumping in and grabbing me and, and taking me out. Saved me. I didn't know how to swim. But when you think about the waters of baptism, and, and, well, and when he, he brought me out, do you think he lectured me on, don't you ever jump in the pool again? No. He grabbed me, he kissed me, he made sure I was breathing. I think my mom gave me candy. I mean, it was, <laughs> make sure I was okay, and I ate it, and I was okay. <laughs> I think I wanted a second book candy bar, I don't know, but that's what they did. Why? Because... I was dead at the bottom of the pool, or I would have been. Dad grabbed me. Is that not what our Lord is doing in jumping into that dirty water? He knows that there are sinners going in there under God's judgment. And what is he doing? He's jumping in. He's grabbing them. And he's taking them out. He's taking you out. He's saving you. Not to lecture you but to have you and to make you his child, to deliver you. And that's why you see all these wonderful things happen when he comes out of the water. The heavens open and the, the Holy Spirit in the form of a dove comes upon Jesus. Why a dove? Go way back to Noah. How did Noah know that God's judgment was over? How did Noah know that a new birth was going to occur? 
He sent out what animal? The dove. In fact, in Genesis 1, it says the Holy Spirit was hovering over the creation, making it new, making it brand new. Jesus comes out of the water. The dove comes upon him. Why? It's God saying, I'm making everything new. You enter that water as a sinner. You come out as a saint. You enter that water away from God, and you come out as his child. And then we hear these beautiful words that we know God loves what Jesus is doing because it says this, or God says this. He says to Jesus, you are my son whom I love. With you I am well pleased. Why is God well pleased with Jesus? What was he just doing? He was jumping into the water. He was grabbing our sin and burying it. He was rescuing us from our sin. God was well pleased with Jesus. He was happy with Jesus because that's why he sent Jesus. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. Or but God demonstrates his love in this and that while we were still sinners, Christ Jesus died for us. God looks at Jesus dripping wet, filled with contaminated fallen water and says, I am so proud of you because you are saving humanity. And even further, those words, you are my child in whom I'm well pleased, because of Jesus, because we've been united to Jesus, because we are one with Jesus, Romans 6, those words spoken to Jesus now get spoken to you. As God Almighty can say to you, you are my child. In you, I'm well pleased. But you say, but I have too much sin. And God says, what sin? It's buried at the bottom of the pool. But I have too much doubt. What doubt? It's buried at the bottom of the river. But I haven't been righteous. Who cares? Jesus is your righteousness. In you, you're my child. I'm well pleased with you. That's what's going on in this passage. God is saving his people. Christ is fulfilling all righteousness, your righteousness and mine. Which brings us back to that question at the beginning of the sermon. Are you saved? How do you know? Is your salvation based on your faith? Or is it based on something else? We are saved by faith, yes. But if your salvation is based upon your faith, it will always be a roller coaster because there's some days that you feel really strong and there's some days you don't. And so some days you'll feel like, yes, I'm saved, and some days you won't. That's what I had to, a dilemma with that child in that office. If I talked to him that way at that moment, he'd spend his rest of his life trying to decide whether he has enough faith. Is it based on our faith? No. It's based on something else. God's kindness. God's love, God's mercy, God's grace. It's based upon Christ. In fact, Titus 3 says this, but when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, that's Jesus he's talking about. He saved us, not because of righteous things we have done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth, and renewal by the Holy Spirit, 
whom he poured out on us generously through Christ Jesus, our Savior. So that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs, children, having the hope of eternal life. Are you saved? Yes, you are. Why? Does God tell the truth? He does. Are you baptized? Yes. And if you're not baptized, see me after the service. We'll get you baptized. Why? Because that you can hold on to. Why? Because God has attached his promise to it. And you can hold on to it every day of your life, knowing that you have a God who loves you and saves you in spite of you. And will continue to declare his love to you in the sacrament, and, in, and through the word, and through preaching, and through your neighbor sharing the good news. Because you're saved based on the kindness of God. In Jesus' name, amen.